welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Uh, we have returning to the studio today our special guest, David Allen, who's the best-selling author of Getting Things Done. Thank you, Tom. David, welcome to our show. We had David on last week discussing some of the overall concept of his process called Getting Things Done. He's a world-renowned speaker. He's in 73 countries. He's published multiple books. The core book is called Getting Things Done, last edition published in 2015. He's recently published another one about teenagers. And it's remarkably concise organizational system focused on getting things done in front of you, then creating your vision to move forward. And as you know, in chronic pain is really critical to actually move away from the pain, not to actually stay focused on the problem. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing some of the actual techniques to actually start moving forward. So David, welcome back to the show. Thanks, David. Delighted to be here. We discussed some of the philosophy that you had really learned this on your own, based on your own needs. The, the essence of the process was actually connecting with, with what is right in front of you. <clears throat> and we know in chronic pain, people's eyes are pretty chaotic with the pure disruption of trying to deal with unexplained symptoms, people not believing you, et cetera. And people are pretty frustrated. And the idea is actually take your life and start to get it organized and start moving forward. And what I wanted to discuss on this process is just the initial philosophy approach, how you get started, and then just beginning how to execute this on a long-term basis. Sure. Well, actually, it's quite simple. And most of the techniques are actually simple. Most people actually do these techniques themselves in various ways at various times. Most people have a serious improvement opportunity, however, in doing these techniques on a more consistent basis and in the right times and places, because you're not born doing them. Let me give you a very simple view of the, the five stages that I recognize we go through to get any situation more under control, more clear and more focused and more stable. Uh, the first thing you need to do is identify what's not on cruise control, what's got your attention, what's bothering you, what's worrying you, what's, what excites you, what I, what do you what is, what's on your mind, in other words. And capture is the first step. And capture doesn't mean just think about it or Rick, remember that you need cat food or you need to change this or you need to do that. It means write it down. That is, get it out of your head in some sort of external bucket, at least temporarily. Write it down on paper, record it somewhere, get it out of your head into some place, but not a random place. You need to have a structured place to be able to toss that stuff, to write the stuff, and to grab the stuff that you can't finish the moment you think of it, that you still need to do or think about or make some decision about. So capture is the first step. Everybody's written things down in their life, I'm sure. I'm sure most people have listened to this and you know, made lists at some point. So that's not an unfamiliar thing for people to do. What's unfamiliar is to do it for everything that has your attention. And little, big, personal, professional doesn't matter because your head was not designed to remember remind. It did not evolve to do that very well. And it's a terrible office. And so most people are leaving a lot of stuff in their head of their woulds, could, shoulds, need tos, don't forget, I got to, I ought to, I think, you know, whatever. And that stuff, getting it out of your head doesn't solve it but it makes it possible to start to get engaged with it more appropriately, as opposed to being the victim of your own thinking. So write it down, get it out of your head, step one. So if somebody's just said, okay, how do I start? I say pen, paper. Pen and paper. Right, that's it. And just whatever's on your mind, write it down. I need, you know, cat food, bank, 
sister owes me money, uh, printer dead, uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever, anything. Okay. And that can take a while if you really want to do it, but that's the first step. Even if you just write the top 10 things down, it's going right. to help. You'll all automatically feel better. But you, can't you, still, just, you still do that with pen and paper? Absolutely, sure. And just like a notepad, or do you have like a journal you keep it in, or what do you? No, I've got a I've got a little pad on my desk. It's about half of a letter size, and a pen okay. right there all the time. I carry a little note taker wallet with me that has a little pen stuck in it. So wherever I am, that my wallet and all my credit cards goes, you know, that has a little piece of paper in it. And so yeah, so I I'm okay. It, it is ubiquitous. It is always with me because God knows when the and ideas are going to strike and things right. are gonna pop into my head. So right. capture right away. Okay. Now I don't leave it there. It doesn't stay on those pieces of paper. Those pieces of paper go into my physical in-tray and then I empty that in-tray by going to doing step two. Actually step two and step three work very closely together. Step two is clarify, step three is organize. So once I've written down something, if you made a list or you've written something on a piece of paper, then I need to clarify what exactly does that mean to you? And the first question to answer to clarify is, is it an actionable item? Are you committed to change this or do something about this? There are two answers, yes and no, right? Maybe is a no, right? So, and then if it's a no, there's, there's three things it could be. It's either trash, you didn't need it to begin with, and now that you've seen it, you don't need it. Or it could be something you don't need to move on, but you want to keep because it's an email you need to refer to maybe later on. So you need to keep that as reference. And the third thing would be, it's something that you're not sure you want to do now, but you might need to uh, tackle it later. That's on hold or incubate. Okay. So those are the three non-actionable things. You need to clarify which ones of those are those. Okay. Right? And if it is actionable, oh yeah, I do need to get cat food. I do need to look into getting a new printer. I do need to you know, see if I want to get my tooth fixed, I, you know, whatever. Then it's like, then the question is, okay, if you had nothing else to do but that right now, what's the very next physical, visible action you would need to take to move forward on that? What's the next action? Okay. So th that's also a very important clarification uh, uh, exercise. What's the very next step you would need to do about buying cat food, hiring a vice president, or getting your tooth fixed? Is it a phone call to make, an email to send, a website to surf, a conversation to have with your partner? What's next? What would you, if you had nothing to do but that, what would you do? That takes a little discipline in your mind to actually right. hold yourself down to make that, to answer that question. Okay. And then the second thing you need to ask about an actionable thing is, will one action complete this commitment? Okay. If it's fix a tooth that's hurting you, probably not. Right. You, know, you make the, maybe you, the next action is make the appointment with the dentist and then you need to find out what's going on and so forth. So if that were me, I'd have on a list of mine called projects, I'd have the outcome written down called handle tooth. Okay. Finalized tooth situation. <laughs> so okay. outcome and action. So, the, you know, again, I, I just said a lot, but it's step two is clarify. What is this stuff? What does it mean to me? Okay. That email, that piece of paper, that thing that came in the mail, the note that I just wrote down, what, do I, what is that? Okay. And once you make that decision, step three is how do I organize reminders of any of that that I can't finish the moment I think of it? Some things, when you think about what's the next action, you say, oh, that's just something I need to do. I can do it in two minutes. Then they should just do it right then. That's the magic two-minute rule that we uncovered. If you can actually finish something in two minutes, you should do it when you think of it because it would take you longer to organize it and look at it again than to finish it the moment it's in your face. Right. I think, I think the term you use, out of it's more than two minutes, by definition, it's a project. Correct. It, no, if you can't finish it with more than one action, 
you might have a single action that's just that'll finish something. It just might take you an hour to finish it. Right. You know, maybe you just need to sit down and write it, write and publish a blog, and you're going to do that in one sitting. That's just a right. next action. That's not, that's, that's not a project. Project just means, hey, you know, I need to I need to create a series of six blogs that are going to do X, Y, and Z. That's I see. Okay. So that's the clarification step. What is it? Then organize. If I can't finish it, then if I can't finish it, whatever the action step is, and certainly if I have a project, I need to keep track of what those things are. So I need to have some sort of this personal system that I can keep track of the errands I need to run, emails I need to write, stuff to do at the computer, stuff I need to talk to key people about, you know, you know that the and and also the things you're waiting on to come back from somebody else. Right. right. Believe me, if I, you know, my doctor says, hey, by the way, I'm going to send you this prescription that's going to be on a list of mine called waiting for. Right. That's his job, but I care. Right. So I need to keep track of that someplace. So all of these things then go into some sort of a personal system, for the most part, lists, any kind of a list manager, anything that makes list, whether that's a paper based list, a little planner, or whether that's a, a computer program that has lists in it, any of those work, as long as you work them. Can I, can I ask you what you use personally for that as far as organization? I use a, a computerized list okay. for that. I use, uh, we use IBM Notes in our company, which has a task management function to it that has, I, and I've just configured that as a way to keep track of my list. Gotcha. When I do that. So when I clean up all these notes of, notes of pieces of paper that I've captured you know, over the day or whatever, then right. if it's an errand, it goes on my errands list. If it's something to talk to my wife about, it goes on my talk to Catherine list. And if it's a project, it goes in my project list. So pretty simple. I've got, you know, it's not just one list. I've got uh, several because you know, most people actually have, you know, in a typical day-to-day -day professional life, most people have somewhere between 30 and 100 projects. Right. And 150 to 200 next actions uh, uh, just on their current realities. Uh, is, there so, a time, is there a time of day that you do this? You do it once a day, twice a day, <clears throat> a particular time of day, or just throughout the day? Well, th this is the nature of how you clean up your in-basket, whether it's your email or whether it's things you've collected. And I do that, you know, at least once a day, I'll get, you know, all, all my accumulated new stuff to zeroed out by clarifying and organizing it, right? Usually once a day. Sometimes if I'm on a roll, I may let it pile up for a day and a half or two days, but that's rare because I like to keep my backlog absolutely as lean as possible because there's a sur surprise coming toward me I can't see. Right. When that prize comes that could be good bad or indifferent it might be some sort of a cool thing that shows up i didn't expect or some unexpected negative thing that shows up i don't want a backlog of unclarified unprocessed unorganized stuff sitting around because that's going to make any input feel terrible right. make me really feel overwhelmed so that's why when i'm not doing anything else i'm cleaning up all my backlog and in baskets and collected notes and stuff to zero so i'm ready for anything my second book is called ready for anything so it's it's really about getting yourself you know, as clean as staying as clean as possible to do that. Can we take so, a quick break here for a second? So just <clears throat> the book you have is called Getting Things Done in 2015. Then you've written two more books since then. What, what are the other two books that you've written? Ready for Anything was the second book. It was a collection of essays that I've been writing over the years. It's more okay. of a you know, uh, snack at more subtle levels of this stuff. Okay. Book, book three was a book called uh, Making It All Work, Winning at the Game of Work and the Business of Life. Okay. which basically just took these basic ideas and expanded them, uh, you know, a good bit more and talked a, a, a good bit more about the different horizons of commitments that we have. Right. You know, and ex expanded on that, that I, you know, didn't give a lot of time and space to in the, in the, in the first book, getting things done. 
right. then we've just just completed two books, Getting Things Done for Teenagers, and we just we just published Getting Things Done Workbook. Okay. And the Getting Things Done Workbook, by the way, is designed for people who don't know what this is and just want to get started very easily. It was designed right. for the, for that to help people kind of do what I'm talking about right now in terms of right. how do I implement this. You know. Now, this is, this is a great conversation for me because I've used your process for years, but of course you evolve away from it. But <clears throat> now I, I'm going to go back and actually go through this. And it sounds like the Getting Things Done Workbook might be a great place to restart my process and say, know a lot it, about it. It could already. be. It'll just remind you about the stuff that really works. It'll just hold your hand. Right. It's, it's 10 moves, you know, get okay. yourself an in basket, you know, get your, right. you know, do the mind sweep, you know, then basically, you know, make these decisions about what this stuff is, get some sort of a list manager, you know? And, right. And, and so it's, it's the basic stuff again, but again, Maybe. you know, people have read my book 12 and 15 times and said it's a different book every time they read it because you're, right, ready, exactly. you're yeah, ready for a different, different cut and, impl and implementation. So we, we've gone, step one was capture. Step two mm -hmm. was um, clarification. Step three was getting it on a list, actually get it organized, some type of yep. doable deal. And, and step four step, is? Step four is make sure you look at your stuff, review and <laughs> reflect on the contents. A lot of people make lists and then don't even look at them and go out and go banging around and say, excuse me, why don't you pull, you know, pull out your stuff again and make a look. Right. Because if you don't do that, you won't trust that you're making good choices and you need to make sure that, 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 that's your, that's your objective here is to make good choices. And so that's a reflect and review of your content and content can operate at many different levels, but certainly on the basic level, what are all the actions you told yourself to do? You haven't finished. What are all the, what's on your calendar you need that you've got to do, you know, what's the, what, what are the projects you need to keep track of? And the review and reflection process just means to, you know, sort of keep your system current, keep you abreast of sort of the larger view. It's really more forest management instead of tree hugging. You need to right. lift up, and get a little altitude to look around. Anybody who's ever looked at their calendar did a small version of that. Right. You know, located yourself in space and time and here's where I need to be. And okay. And if you looked ahead for the next two or three or four days, you're really getting kind of a review process. Going. Right. So again, people do that. And then step five is basically then using those first four steps to then make trusted choices about how you engage. What do I do? Do I go run in errands right now? Do I need to talk to, do I need to spend a quality time with my kid right now? Do I need to take a nap right now? Do I need to sit at the computer and deal with that ugly email I'm trying to respond to? You know, right. that's, that's where you're just making choices about what to do. Now, David, I have to stop for a second and tell people if you think this is odd and weird stuff, let me ask anybody who's listening to this, have you ever had your kitchen or cooking area out of control? You come back and it looks like it's been a tornado has hit it or somebody's attacked right. it. And yet right. you have friends coming over in an hour for, for dinner or something. Right. Right. What do, you, what do you think you do in what order? The first thing you do is you notice what's off in the kitchen. Okay. You, you, you identify what's not on cruise control. That's capture. Right? Okay. Then what do you do? Well, you decide what that stuff is that's off. That's not where it is the way it needs to be. Oh, that's a dirty dish. Oh, that's a clean dish. Oh, that's good food. Oh, that's crappy food. Oh, that's a spice. Oh, that's a whatever, right? You're clarifying the, the, the exact nature of what's off or what's got your attention. Then what do you do? What do you do with the dirty dish? Put it in the dishwasher. What do you do with the good food? Put it back in the fridge. What do you do with the spice? Put it where spices go. You organize based right. upon what, your clarification. Then what do you do? You looked around at the whole scene of the kitchen. You looked at your watch to see what time it was, how much time you had until they showed up. Then you pulled out butter and you melted it. Step five. 
So, you know, this is how you get your kitchen under control. It's how you get your consciousness under control. I didn't make this up. I recognized it. But those yeah. are very different behaviors with different tools and different techniques for each one. It's not just get organized. It's not just right. set priorities. It's, it's the combination of all of those, capturing, clarifying, organizing, and reflecting so that you engage from a trusted place, not a, I hope this works, and not driven by latest and loudest. That's a wonderful metaphor. That, that's really, really excellent. That's something I'll take with me going forward because I, one of those people who actually likes a clean kitchen, I go through exactly what I do. That's, that's excellent, really excellent metaphor. I also want to say, I want to go back to the review and reflect phase, step four. Mm -hmm. that I have one little website post I wrote is basically when you're angry and frustrated, you're reacting. And when you're reacting, you're not really moving forward in a very thoughtful way. You're not really living life on your terms. You're simply reacting. If you take the letter C and move it to the beginning of the word, you have the word creative. If you can see first, you can actually make some choices. When you're reacting, you don't have a lot of choice. You're simply trying to react to that next thing in front of you without really thinking about it. You also made another point about creating a little bit of a space. And so with neuroplasticity, by the way, the sequence is awareness, separation, and reprogramming. With awareness being, here's the problem. You step back, create a little bit of space between the situation and the solution, and then you move forward to a different step. It actually changes, as you pointed out earlier, it actually changes the physical structure of your brain. We do know in chronic pain, it's been documented that people's brains actually physically shrink. When you treat chronic pain, people's brains actually physically re-expand. And so that creating some space and letting the creativity come back and really taking charge of your life is a, is a pretty big deal as far as solving chronic pain. Yeah, very cool. I like to use the word respond because you can't ignore, I mean, back to, back to current reality again, you can't ignore pain, but you can right. respond to it as opposed to just react to it. So I like the difference between, because what you just talked about is I need to create an appropriate response to this thing. I, that's why I say you don't have to like it. Right. You don't have to think it's pleasurable, though there are some people that actually get a lot of pleasure out of the pain. So, right. There, it, it, it's, it is a response to whatever the input is. So many right. times I'm just responding all day. Oftentimes I'm responding to things I put into motion. Right. So it's not like I'm sitting here and creating all kinds of new stuff all the time. Right. Uh, many times I've already created it. I just I'm now appropriately responding to what I put into motion. Right. What I'm allowed to be in motion. Yeah. Well, the book, the name of it, the name of my book is Back in Control, and I hadn't really. I've seen many renditions of that moving forward, but the essence of actually solving chronic pain, there's three parts of solving pain. One is becoming aware of the problem. <clears throat> the second part is dealing with every aspect at the same time, which takes some type of thoughtful system to do it. The third part, by far and away, is most critical is you have to take control. Since you're an individual, I'm an individual, your set of solutions is completely different than my set of solutions, whether it's your life, your family, or your pain, medical care, et cetera, you're the one, you're the one that has to take charge and the problem in the medical system with people with chronic pain, they're bounced and bounced and bounced. They're dependent on people, people to tell them what to do. But as I'm, as I'm talking to you, it strikes me that people also get bounced around their own lives. You know, they're behind on things, the inbox is too full, their kids are out of control, and their life is chaotic. And it's the same metaphor for taking control of your internal life as your external life, as you, as you start taking control 
of external life, things start to calm down internally. And I think vice versa. I think it's a really solid, solid process. Sure. Well, this is fantastic. Any other sort of just overall concepts? I think that what was the book? I think it's probably for this group. I still want to emphasize that getting organized is not inherent. It's a learned skill. You have to make a thoughtful decision actually to learn the skill. It's one of the projects, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really, and it's doable. It's very doable. And David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, is excellent. And it can remind me of the other book you just wrote that would be a great starting place, I think, for much of the audience. Getting, getting Things Done workbook. The workbook. Okay. Yep. Um, I'm going to actually pick that up myself. I honestly have drifted a ways away from this. And I would say I've lost I retired in December to pursue this pain project full time. And for me, I lost a lot of structure. And so for me, I need to really honestly reinsert that structure back in place to, I'm getting things done, but there's more chaos than I've had before. And so it's good. I think the idea for me personally, the takeaway is creating that space to actually make thoughtful decisions. Things don't have to be happy all the time, but in that space, I have a chance of actually being creative and moving forward in, in a very powerful way. So I'm so excited about this conversation. Sure. Well, you don't have to go very far. Anybody listening to this, nor you, nor, you know, Tom, or anybody, or, you know, anybody doesn't have to go very far. All you have to do is start to pay attention to what has your attention and okay. ask yourself, why is that on my mind? Anything pops into your head twice, that means you're not appropriately engaged with it. There's something about that, that if, if I need cat food pops into your head more than once, you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. I love my cat. Because the only, yeah, the only reason stuff pops into your head in that way, now if, if you just like thinking about things, that's fine right. to think about it many times. Right. But if it keeps popping into your head, it just means there's some decision about it you haven't made or you haven't parked the results in some trusted place that you or the right person's going to see at the right time. Right. So the, the thing that's so critical about this creating space is that we do know from the neuroscience research is that thought create the, a mental threat creates the same chemical reaction in the body as a physical threat. And of course, we can't escape our thoughts. So this is not a benign situation where these thoughts keep racing around in your head because we know that people in a chronic stress, which again comes from thoughts. I mean, obviously there's physical stress, but that's not the norm. For humans, it's repetitive ruminating thoughts that there's a higher incidence of autoimmune disorders, colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, all sorts of autoimmune disorders. People die on the average seven years earlier under chronic stress. There's double instance of obesity, heart disease, cancer. I mean, the, the results, when your body's in a sustained chemical state of hypervigilant state, people get sick. Not a psychological issue, it translates into physical changes. So the situation we're talking about here about getting organized and creating that space to help calm yourself down is actually more than just a academic exercise. It's actually a life-changing process. It certainly can be. Yeah. And I've got legions of testimonials about that, for sure. Right. One final thing, I know I'm supposedly retired, but I'm not retiring very well. And David's supposedly retired, but he's not retiring very oh, well. <laughs> I'm 74, but I can't stop doing what I'm doing. Why, why should I? Why could I? You know, I, I but never do that. The conversation we had last week, which was fun, is that I feel a little guilty about not retiring better, but both of us really like seeing people thrive. It's hard to not help people thrive, right? That's I, what drives us. Yeah, hard to do. Couldn't. And David sees very concrete results with what he does. I see very concrete results with, with what, we're, what we're doing. And that's fun. It's enjoyable. And it does keep us going. 
well, it's certainly fulfilling for right. sure. Anyway, thank you again very much. Really enjoyed this. I get a lot out of this personally. I'm sure my audience did too. And this was fantastic. Thank you. My pleasure, David. Thanks, guys. Well, thank you both for a fascinating look at the techniques that we can use to get ourselves organized. I felt like I was actually a, attending a mini seminar in this and gathered a lot of insights that I'll find useful too. And I want to remind our listeners to return next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And for more information, you can visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.